Uh, this is BBC Radio Leeds. Uh, just gone ten past two on Tuesday afternoon. The big Yorkshire phone-in with Larry Bard here for Liz Green this week. And John Popham has joined us. Hello, John. Hello, Larry. And John is here for Tech Hour. He is our tech expert. Any questions you have on tech? It might be that you're having some sort of problems or um, you're looking to buy something. Well, John will help you on both those scores. Or you might want to talk to John about something that's in the news as well, which is, I think, where we'll uh, start, John, because there's lots in the technology world at the moment that's worth talking about. I think we might start by talking about Samsung's um, non-folding foldable smartphone uh, not getting off to a flying start. Um, It's postponed the release of this phone after early reviewers said the screens on their devices had broken. Uh, (laughs) You sort of couldn't make that up, really. This is what you'd expect to happen when you fold a phone. Um, but, uh, but, But what's going on? I mean, the technology seems to be out of this world, but clearly not something they've been able to deliver on at this point. No, I think I get the, the impression. I mean, I've seen some of them on uh, videos on YouTube and places like that, and I think mm. um, the impression I get is they've released it too early and it's not really ready for it. Um, so what this is is a phone which it looks like a normal phone when you're holding it in your hand, but then you can unfold it so that another screen appears, which is sort of twice or even more uh, as big as the original one. So it looks like a mini tablet um, right. when you've got it in your hand. Um, but all sorts of... They've released some prototype versions and for, to reviewers, and all sorts of problems have come up with them. Um, one of the issues is that the, there's a plastic cover on the internals, in the inside screen, which they didn't tell people they shouldn't take off because it breaks it. Um, oh. And people were taking the plastic cover off thinking that was just a protective measure and, and then it wouldn't work. Um, so that was one of the problems. Another problem is, um, I think, grit and things like that have been getting un- underneath it and um, and breaking it. And, and I think there's always going to be a problem when you've got something like that which bends in the middle. Um, and, and I think they, they've been breaking on the bending bit. Um, yeah. and, I, and, and to me, it just looks like it's not ready. And they've, it was due to be released officially this Friday, um, and now Samsung have said that won't happen. Um, and I think it will probably be quite a long time before it hits the market because I think they've got a lot more work to do on it. It looks like. I mean, there are other manufacturers who who've, who who are also about to release them, and I've seen those, and they look a lot more developed than Samsung's one. I think they were mm-hmm. rushing to try and get it out before the other ones did, and I think they hadn't quite done all the development work from what I can see. Is it is it just me? Maybe it's just me that just doesn't get it, right? Because you know BlackBerry, which was huge for a while, and BlackBerry's sort of nowhere in the in the grand scheme of smartphones now. I mean, it is still a, a, around, but it's nothing like as big as Apple or Samsung. Um, and and BlackBerry for a long time had this thing where the, the screen was on the top, you could use it with the touch screen, and then you could sort of slide it open, and underneath was a full QWERTY keyboard, mm. but only for people with very small hands. And you know that didn't that just didn't sell really. I mean, this Samsung phone is going to be eighteen hundred pounds, mm, yeah. eighteen hundred English pounds. I mean, is there really a market for that in any sort of great numbers? I think this is one of those things where they they put it out and they test it and see if see if there is. Um, mm. I don't I don't know. I mean, a lot of people. I'm one of them. Carry a phone and a tablet with them. I suppose the if you can sort of do away with carrying the two separate devices, then that that might be useful. But I always think that you know if you've got something in your pocket and it sort of folds like that and it's delicate, I always think there's going to be an issue with it. So um, it's bulky uh, as well, though, isn't mm. it? When you look at it, it's, but a lot of people like their phone to be mm. slim or you know non-intrusive or whatever, just slips into the pocket. 
but a folding phone is going to be double the thickness. That's maths. I remember that from <laughs> uh, from school. And it does look bulky on the videos. Yeah, though. I think I've seen some people on YouTube who have been um, who've had ones, and they say it's not too bad. I suppose it's it's like so. Um, a lot of phones these days they have a normal size phone, and they also have a model which is slightly bigger. iPhones, Samsung Galaxy, they do this. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people like those ones that are slightly bigger. I think if you're that kind of person, then this phone won't be too much of a step up from that um, but I, I, I just think when you think of all the different devices we used to carry around that the smartphone does it all now you know the camera the um, the calculator the uh, all those kind of things you would have carried separate devices around and you don't anymore I suppose this is the next one that's going to fold literally fold into your phone yes um, but whether there's demand for it I think it, it just we just have to wait and see really okay well for 1800 quid there won't be demand in my house but there we go it was interesting I was watching an advert the other day and I thought gosh how phone advertising has totally changed it was, it was one for a, a for a, a Huawei phone and it was it was literally photography reimagined I mean they were selling it as a camera yeah that makes phone calls. Yeah, I've, I've seen. I think it's yeah. been quite a while now. Is that you very rarely see any reference to phone calls in, in, yeah. in phones? Um, they should bring that back. <laughs> bring back phone calls. Yeah. Um, Julie's just been in touch on the text eight one triple three. She started a message with the word lead. She says, "I've got a ten-year-old Apple Mac desktop." Do Apple stop sending updates to devices after they're a certain age? Um, as this thing is now next to useless, I'm not getting emails or anything anymore. I suppose 10 years is, is quite old for a piece of technology, unfortunately, now. It is. I'm not quite sure why she's not getting emails, though. Um, I think um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think Apple do stop supporting devices after a certain amount of time. I mean, if it's emails that's your problem, I would suggest using a, using an email uh, program that you can use in your web browser, like Gmail and Hotmail, these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And that, that doesn't depend on any software on the computer to get your emails. So uh, I think there is a way of using it to get emails. But um, uh, I think there might be an issue with the email program not updating. I'm not yeah. really sure. And I know a lot of Mac users will switch off any sort of automatic update when their Mac gets to a certain age anyway, because mm. you don't want a 10-year-old Mac attempting to run the latest <laughs> operating um, system because it just wouldn't. It's perhaps not going to carry it. Mm. Um, let's move on to robot Hoovers, um, which is another thing I'm tremendously excited. I mean, this is the future. We're living in the future now in case anybody was wondering. Um, Margaret in Meanwood got in touch to say, are, are robot hoovers worth the money? And then we had another message uh, from Fa Fraser a few moments ago um, saying, my neighbour has a robot carpet sweeper and it cost around £125, but I prefer my Miel or Mieli, whatever the brand there of a vacuum cleaner is, which is what I should be saying. Uh, robot vacuum cleaners then, are they worth the money? Because I desperately want one in my house, but they're about 600 quid. Um, I think it's a difficult one to answer. It depends on how lazy you are, I suppose. <laughs> Very. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I cannot claim to have any personal experience of robot hoovers. I've mm -hmm. never used one myself. Um, I think there is certainly something appealing about it. My issue with a lot of these things is that a lot. I, I would wait a little bit until the technology has settled down because. Um, now, as I say, I can't say from direct experience, but my suspicion is that the robot hoovers that are out in the market now maybe not quite as good at cleaning at some of the hoovers you, you push around yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what tends to happen with the new designs. Um, you know, the, 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 the design looks good and it does something you think is going to help you, but at the end of the day you end up having to go around with your other hoover to clean yes. up after it. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, it's funny because I don't think I've really caught up yet on on the previous stage to that. Was I now have a handheld Hoover, which is um, probably the most famous brand of handheld Hoovers, and it was certainly the most expensive piece of kit I've ever bought. I thought, you know what, let's do this. It's supposed to be amazing, and it's rubbish. I absolutely hate it. Mm. And then I just want to go back to the old. Well, we've got an old Henry sort of thing, yeah. you know, and go go around with mm. that. And sometimes the technology, because and, and the thing with the robot vacuums, you know, it's it's all bells and whistles. It will go and charge itself. Mm. You can follow its progress on an app on your phone. Um, it hopefully um, won't become. Uh, sentient and attack your pets and that sort of thing you, you know you can check but it's all fine having those bells and whistles but it is there i suppose to pick up dust from the carpet well that's it and, and, yeah. and, and i'm basing my uh, opinion on a similar experience to yourself with one of those kind of hoovers um eventually i think it will it will do the job but i'm, I'm not sure it does now there's a very famous youtube video of a cat sitting on a robot hoover which is um is worth seeking out and that's probably the best thing for them at the moment <laughs> It's the best thing for the internet as well is cat videos, in case anybody was wondering. Uh, John Popham is here to take your questions on any sort of technology, 81333, and start your message with the word leads. If you've got problems or questions or you want John's view on a particular news story, then do get in touch. You can text, you can tweet, or you can call 0800 389 333. And we'll return to John in just a moment after Tony Braxton and Umbra. Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart. BBC Radio Leeds, 24 minutes past two. Tuesday afternoon, this is Larry Budd in for Liz Green on the big Yorkshire phone-in, and our tech expert John Popham is here to take your questions, anything around tech that you want to ask John, 0800 389 3333. I'd noticed in the news today again, John, that Elon Musk has been uh, making more promises. A man who he sort of gets very mixed opinions, doesn't he, Elon? Some people like truly detest him as a, as a human being. I don't know why. Perhaps I've missed something there. But uh, he's the chief exec of uh, Tesla, if you don't recognise the name Elon Musk. And he has uh, said today that he expects Tesla to have self-driving robot taxis on the road by the year after next, 2020. And uh, he was announcing an improved microchip for driverless vehicles. Where are we with self-driving cars at the moment? In the, I mean, Musk himself promised we'd have them by last year, and, and, and we don't, obviously. They seem to get pushed back quite a bit, but they must get ever closer. They are, and I did notice, uh, I read a news story this morning, that um, some robot taxis or, or something similar to that had been... Uh, launched in Hamburg this week. Um, so I think they're gradually coming along. And I, I suspect in some of the places they're bringing them in without any great fanfare because they think that there will be a lot of opposition to them. I'm a bit ambivalent about self-driving cars. I mean, I, th I think the concept is brilliant, but I think the issue is uh, whether people will ever trust a computer to take them somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think, I think um, certainly the, the, in the short term at least, the self-driving car technology is much going to be much bigger in the sort of helping you to do things that you um you find tedious to do when you're driving um rather than totally autonomous cars mm -hmm. um you know i think for the future of planet we need to do as much as we can to take um individual cars off the road and the more the better the clearer we can get to that the better um so i'm definitely in favor of them but but I I think there's a lot to do to overcome people's reluctance to to give up that control. Yeah, were you aware of the connection between self-driving cars and captures 
Do you, do you know of captures? When you fill in a form on the internet, say, to log into your bank or to make some mm. sort of purchase, and these captures come up and they say things like, click on each of these squares that has a shop front or a bicycle or something like that. As it turns out, as I learned this week, that is all about training Google's self-driving cars. All right, okay. Uh, actually, no, I didn't know that. Um, I, I did know there used to be. Um, when you do that thing where they've got sort of odd-looking letters and you have to try and uh, say what they what they say, that one was to help with the digitization of, of ancient manuscripts. Really? So, yeah, um, because they, wow. they were actual letters photographs from ancient manuscripts and they were trying to get people to, to identify what they were so yeah I mean, that makes a lot of sense I, I didn't know that you've taught me something there mass though. outsourcing of ai it's, i mm. mean that's absolutely fascinating mm. um yeah so self-driving cars potentially on the way um, i've got this from paul in leeds who has a question about slr um technology so these are digital cameras uh, effectively but sort of the the posture end ones not the sort of small compact ones and he's asking about is mirrorless slr technology going to replace standard you might just need to describe what mirrorless technology is in digital slr cameras first of all okay well i'm not a photography expert but i think what he's referring to is that the the, the sort of viewfinder that you look through is going to disappear and you'll do everything through the digital screen on the back of the camera right um yeah, I think that's that's the way things are going. Um, and I think there, there are still cameras around that have the analogue viewfinder that you look through, but uh, by and large, I think eventually um, those will go and, and everything you will do will be through the screen on the back of the device. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that's definitely the future of it. And I guess that would remove the need for the the mirrors on a camera that 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 divert what mm. you're looking at yeah. into your well divert what the lens is looking at and into your eyes so yes. maybe make them cheaper somewhere sort of down the line yeah. anything that makes that world cheaper would be absolutely marvelous if sure. anybody's mm -hmm. ever tried to buy a lens for a digital slr camera at <laughs> any point in recent history they would know that um thank you for that and uh, paul i hope that answers your question 81333 and start your text with the word leads uh, to put a question to john popham our technology expert who's in the studio for you for another well 20 minutes or so before we catch up with johnny ianson uh, we've got some music from africa and sigrid on the way but we'll get a check on the just a quick question i've got a mobile phone that has four gigabytes of ram as standard however i've been told if i root the phone I'll be able to increase the amount of RAM. Is that correct? Yeah, well, it, it is possible, certainly, um, but you need to know what you're doing. Uh, as you say, um, you will need to root it, uh, which means you need to open it up to uh, developer options uh, if you know how to do that. Um, and yeah, then I've put Kingroot on before. Right, I've okay. I've put it on a uh, Sony previously. Okay. Um, and is it a phone that will take an SD memory card? Yeah, it's got... Uh, Twin nano slots, so it'll take either one nano nano card and an SD or uh, just or two cards. Okay, all right. Well, uh, you'll, you'll need to use um, the SD memory card as well because what you can do is you can download apps off the... I'm assuming it's an Android phone, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you can download apps off the Android uh, Google Play Store, uh, which will allow you to use some of the space on the memory card as additional RAM. So... Basically, for those who don't know what we're talking about, the RAM is the memory which allows your phone, well, basically uh, controls the speed at which your phone does things, um, and, and older phones can get slower as you go on. So you can, if you know what you're doing, you can use this kind of methodology to, to increase that RAM, and, and that should speed your phone up a bit. But uh, it's quite a technical thing to do, um, and you do need to know what you're doing. Is that all right, Sean? Does that help? That, that's 
great. I just wasn't sure. With, I've rented films before, and I didn't know how to actually, whether it actually affected the RAM or not. Basically, they brought out a 6-gig version of, of the phone I've got, and I just thought, well, if I can upgrade it to 6-gig without changing phones, it'll save me a bit of money. Yeah. Seems to make sense. Sean, thank you for your call. We'll leave it there because it sounds like he's flying a 747 uh, somewhere <laughs> <laughs> over West Yorkshire. Um, but uh, I think you answered his question there, John, so thank you for that. I, I didn't sort of understand 80% of the conversation, but <laughs> when he was talking about routing his phone, now, is this something similar? This is talking about an Android uh, smartphone. Is this what people refer to have Apple phones as jailbreaking? Is this sort of a, a way of cracking the code of the phone so that you can alter it's fairly similar, but it's not quite as serious as jailbreaking an right. iPhone. So if you, if you jailbreak an iPhone, there's no going back, really. Whereas routing an Android phone is something which is discouraged by the manufacturers, but not not blocked. Right. So it's relatively easy to do, and it doesn't, um, it, you know, it's like a not, an, it's not a no going back kind of thing. Um, all it does is it opens up the device to allow you to do things that you would normally do if you were a developer of developing apps and that kind of stuff. I see. Um, so it allows you to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Great. Well, I think I've almost followed all of that, so I've, I've learned a lot this afternoon as well. While we're on the subject of mobile phones, this was in the in the news about the mo about mobile operators. The three largest mobile operators in the UK are failing to offer a satisfactory service to customers despite being more expensive than their smaller rivals. This was from a Witch survey, which rated Vodafone as the worst network in the country. Just one star for its ratings for customer service, for value for money, and for technical support as well. Why are they going so wrong, these big mobile firms? Well, I, I suspect it's, it's mainly a function of their size. You know, the bigger you get, uh, the further you are away from the customer. In some, some, I mean, some companies manage to grow without that kind of effect, but others don't. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I, I've looked at this survey, and the companies that come out best are the smaller ones. Um, and that's what I would expect, really. I mean, the smaller ones are closer to the customer, and they work. I mean, a lot of them have to work really, really hard because... Partly, they've not got the marketing budgets that the big companies have got. So in order to gain and uh, retain new customers, most of them, their strategy is they treat their existing customers really well and they encourage them to tell their friends. Mm. Um, and that's what... But at the, end, at the end of the day, one of the issues is that it's the big companies that own the networks. The smaller ones, they just sort of piggyback on top of the network. So um, they're a little bit at uh, the mercy of the big companies at the end of the day. But... A lot of them are, are, you know, they will work really hard to get and retain your custom because that's the way they grow. Yeah, and I suppose the big networks, I mean, they almost need to be held accountable as a public service, don't they? Because everybody really needs to have a mobile phone, certainly anybody that works. You're expected to have one in order to function, um, you know, in 2019. Uh, and you have a problem and you can't get through to your customer service or your questions just aren't being answered uh, because it's easier to just sort of fob you off and hope you that you go away. I mean, as a customer, it's not acceptable, but you do wonder whether at some point the ombudsman for uh, wh whichever it is for mobile phones, because it sort of switched between ombudsmans for a time, didn't it? But they will have to make sure that that, that sort of service improves. Uh, yeah, I think they will. I'm pretty sure it's Ofcom, um, and they will have to. Um, they will do that definitely. And uh, the, yeah, you're right. They have to be held to account, and most of us are dependent on these devices these days. So that's that's definitely an issue to um, be aware of. I have a couple of quick questions before you go, John. Um, this is from Amy in Hunslet, who says, "Is Alexa listening to everything I say, and do I need to be worried about that?" Mm. 
Well, I think officially the companies that own these devices will say no, mm-hmm. but there have been instances of that we know of that uh, where where they have been proven to be listening, uh, even when they shouldn't be. The official line is they don't listen unless you say the wake-up word. Mm-hmm. We probably, just by saying Alexa, we've probably woken a lot of them up. Yes, that's um, true. Yep. Um, but uh, I think the reality is that they have been proven to, to be listening even when the wake-up word is not is not said. So you, you just need to be aware of that. Yes, uh, but you won't go quite so far as to say you need to be worried about that. So, well, good sitting on the fence. Uh, in case Alexa is listening, well done. And uh, Danny and Rothwell, finally, uh, final question to Danny. He says, I recently bought an artwork TV. This is a flat-screen TV which pretends to be artwork while it's not being an actual TV. Do I need to worry about screen burn at all? I don't think so. Um... I wouldn't claim to be an expert on these kind of devices, but my instinct is that they wouldn't manufacture them to do those kind of things if they were going to burn mm. out the screen. Just um, explain what they are, because I mean, I've seen them in mm. sort of high-end uh, shops that sell very expensive televisions. Yeah, okay, so they're a flat-screen TV which you hang on the wall, and that when it's not in use as a TV, it comes down like a screen, like a screensaver on your computer. Right. A work of art will come on, and so it will look like you've got a painting on your wall okay. instead of a TV. Um now, I think, well, I'm pretty sure they use a technology which means that your screen will not burn out. Um, but having said that, there are all sorts of examples where these things, you know, going back to the folding phones, yeah. you know, some of these things don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. work in the way they're intended to. Yeah, well, fingers crossed for you, Danny, and thank you for your message. Um, that's about all we've got time for with John this afternoon. A final note here to Fraser, who says, I still use 35 millimetre SLRs along with digital SLRs. Mirrorless, to my mind, needs much more improvement. So harking back to an earlier point. Thank you for that, Fraser. And thank you, John. Thank you for your time this afternoon. Uh, John Popham answering your questions on the Tech Hour here on BBC 